You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Well, I think that, that right now, and I know the general manager of meetings have been taking place, that um, they believe and they understand they have a lot of holes to fill. After all, they're coming off a couple of seasons that were um, disappointing and certainly not up to the A's standards that they've held for so many years. After all, it's only been two years since they reached the postseason. I, I do think that, and you could say this with any team, that the foundation uh, revolves around starting pitching, and they have very good young starting pitching, both uh, players who've come up in their system, but also those they've acquired in trades. And so if you're looking at an area where I wouldn't think they would be real aggressive trying to improve themselves, it would be with the, the young starting pitching. I think they're, they're pretty confident they can go forward with those guys, especially assuming that uh, Sonny Gray comes back and is healthy. Um, I do believe the one area, and I know David Forrest talked about this with us on the air toward the end of the season, that they believe they have to maybe even aggressively pursue would be um, to improve the outfield. Uh, they have some voids there. Obviously, Josh Reddick was dealt to the Dodgers. Coco Chris left and um, was instrumental in the playoffs for the Indians. So um, Chris Davis had a great year, tremendous power year, and uh, he'll play left field and also DH. But um, outfield is an area of concern, and especially, I think, in the American League West, where they're teams that have great athletic ability. And I think that was an area where the A's really struggled in the second half, and that is that uh, they ran up against teams that maybe out-athleticed them, if that's a word. Um, on the infield, I'm not sure. I would think the left side of the infield, um, in terms of the incumbents with Ryan Healy at third base, who had a great last two months, and Marcus Simeon at shortstop, I think they feel good there. I think they feel good behind the plate. I'm not sure about the rest of the positions. And, of course, it's very early in the offseason. So we don't know how many of the players they had last year will be coming back um, in terms of uh, contracts being tendered or maybe uh, free agents that are pursued. But um, I think that's a fairly decent capsule look at where they're at right now. And, you know, beside that, I think that uh, one of the, the, the areas of emphasis going into last year was to improve the bullpen. And I think they really did that in 2016, and most of those guys are coming back. Well, as far as free agency is concerned, I'm sure there are a lot of players the A's would be interested in and they would love to have. Um, I do know from reading, um, and I haven't talked to David Forrest since the season ended, that he felt that they did have payroll flexibility and that going out in the free agent market is something they would really consider. Um, I think via free agency or even uh, pursuing trades that the A's will be aggressive, and they've not they really haven't been afraid to do that over the years. They've been a team that has not been, uh, you know, maybe in, if you look at, at giving tremendously large contracts, that's something that with their payroll constraints they're not really able to do. But uh, my sense would be, and I don't really have any names that I could offer, uh, but I do believe that, in, in fact, I'd be surprised if the A's didn't latch on to a free agent or two this offseason. Well, Bill King and I spent 10 years together in the broadcast booth until um, he tragically passed away about two weeks after we did our last game together for the A's of 2005. 
And like so many people, including uh, members of the Frick Committee and those who have received the Ford C. Frick Award, like John Miller, um, a lot of us grew up idolizing Bill and had this incredible um, gratitude to him for the influence that he provided us. Um, I'm not sure I would be where I am in my career without Bill. Um, he was an amazing individual in terms of uh, the way that he treated me. Um, and I've said this many times, that his endorsement of me on the air, I think, just meant the world to me because when I was hired uh, by the A's in 1996, I replaced Lon Simmons, the late, great Lon Simmons, who later became a Frick Award recipient himself. Uh, Bill's passion for every broadcast was just unmatched. Uh, his dedication to making uh, every broadcast the best it could possibly be. Um, I don't think anyone had uh, the ability to immerse himself in his homework. His work ethic was exemplary. Um, and a lot of people don't, don't realize this, and I've written about this in the past, that there may be this perception that because Bill was so brilliant in football and also in basketball, that might have diluted the perception of Bill as a baseball announcer, but I think those who look at that are missing a couple of points. Number one, Bill's first love was baseball broadcasting, and the game that he enjoyed broadcasting the most was baseball. Um, he was really a baseball encyclopedia. Um, I think his knowledge of the game was unmatched, um, and after all, he broadcast his first game in the minor leagues in 1950. Last game for the years was 2005. So many of his calls are indelible. I think the most noteworthy would have been the Scott Hatterberg home run to win the 20th game of the winning streak in 2002. And that call was punctuated in the movie Moneyball. So in so many areas, I think the most important thing is the impact that you make with your fan base. I think that's the number one definition for me of a Hall of Famer. When you look at the Frick Award and the passion that people have, the outpouring of love that I felt over the years just being around Bill that A's fans had for him. And so the impact that he made, I think, is the thing that, to me, has him uh, stand above anyone else, I think, who's up for the award. And all of the candidates, by the way, are deserving. MLB.TV Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.TV Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.TV for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 